Hello and welcome to the second edition of the Research Ops podcast, an initiative of the Research Ops community. I'm your host for today, Bridget Metzler, and one of the co-chairs of this huge global volunteer-run community. As always, I'm assuming if you're listening, then you might know a little bit about Research Ops, the mechanisms and processes that set user research in motion. If you'd like to know more about Research Ops, you can find us at our website, researchops.community, or follow us on Medium, follow us at Team Reops on Twitter, and join in the conversation at hashtag ResearchOps. For today's talk, we need to step back in time a little. It's early February, it's hot in Australia and cold in the UK. I'm speaking to someone I've come to call a friend over the years in the ResearchOps community, and even before then, Mr. Richard Smith. Richard and I met, as we discussed in our chat, before the community began, because we both launched our user research libraries in government at about the same time. It's been a journey for us both, setting us down paths we probably never imagined way back then. I interviewed Richard for the Research Repos project, a global project that we're running in the community, and I so enjoyed the chat. I felt guilty that I'd be the only one to hear his insights. So I asked Richard if he'd join me in recording something for the whole community. Unlike me, Richard is a researcher first and a librarian second. Like many of us, he sees the value in what operationalizing can do and he's worked hard to utilize the mechanisms of ops while still trying to run a research practice. It was a fascinating talk, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. As with the first podcast, there are a few glitches in the tech as I recorded it before I'd even decided it would be a podcast. I hope you'll forgive that and allow us to get better as we go along. Here's our chat. All right, so thank you so much for joining me, um, Richard. Uh, so for anyone who's listening, so I'm I'm, gonna, I'm recording a video, but probably not going to put it on Vimeo. So if you're listening, uh, this is um, Bridget from the Research Ops community, and I've got Richard Smith with me today. We're going to have a bit of a chat. Um, I'm pretty greedy and regularly have chats with Richard, and uh, it occurs to me that he has such valuable insights and um, is such an interesting person to talk to. Uh, I thought it would be really great if we could um, extend that up to the rest of the community so everyone else can get to hear what Richard has to say as well. Thanks for joining me, Richard. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's the very beginning of the day where you are and it's the end of the day where I am. Stinking hot here. Is it cold there? It's freezing here. It's 6am, so I'm probably trying to make sure I get awake. <laughs> but no, yeah, I'm not being cold here. So, okay. yeah. Yes, I think it's 38 right now. And um, Ooh, wow. yes, and it's, it's the evening already. So it's, um, whew, anyway, I shouldn't complain. We don't get much, much uh, summer here in Tasmania. So um, firstly, maybe so that other people who don't know you like I know you, could you maybe tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure, yeah. So um, I'm the Leeds User Researcher at Hackney Council uh, in London. Uh, I've been in the role for about ooh, 18 months, two years now, which is scary how quick that goes. Um, and as, as part of that, that role, I look after all user research activity across the council. Um, so I'm really lucky uh, and fortunate because I have three full-time user researchers with me um, and also a couple of apprentices as well, which is um, very lucky for most part, most local government organisations in the UK who 
in reality, I think, you know, user research, whilst it's really established in the central government, it's quite new within local. Um, and there aren't many full-time researchers that are there. Um, so actually, you know, I'm, I'm in a very lucky position to have people to go out and, um, and understand what it is that our users need. It's yeah. great. <clears throat> okay, and so um, how did you get into that career? How did you, how did you end up um, leading the user research library and, and leading the user research team at Hackney? Wow, okay, so um, previously <laughs> that, and so I worked in government for, for quite a while. Um, I previously worked for um, an, another local authority, but it kind of got in um, as um, a, a website redesign, inverted commas, initially when we first started. Um, but then I think it became quite apparent that the way to do it right is to really focus around people and around the users that we have. Um, and then my role kind of became a de facto researcher at the same time as um, doing a more technical website redesign. Um, I've also had previous experience working with the government digital service uh, in the UK as well. So that kind of brought me to the world of agile and, um, and, and understanding about people. Um, I think previous roles, even Fidget, I used to work at the job centre um, as well um, as a manager there, and that had a, quite a front-facing role, um, which I loved. Um, I think, it, again, it's, it's having the opportunity to see people face-to-face -face and actually try as much as possible to help them to get their, the career that they're looking for. Um, and that was just, that was fascinating. This is my first job out of uni, which um, when I studied psychology, um at the university so which again i've always had that passion for people i think that kind of set me on the path um, and to where i am now really mm. yeah you can definitely tell you're a people person so that makes sense <laughs> and how about the how about the library um how did how did that sort of was that a happy accident yeah, well, so yeah, it would have been so twenty end of twenty seventeen. So just before I think I joined the organisation, um, and um, there was a discussion that we had internally within Hackney around the fact that um, that we had lots of project teams. So um, we, we're lucky to have in-house staff, but we also um, use agencies as well to help us to deliver certain things. Mm -hmm. um, and there was lots of great research happening in pockets within project teams that we um, had, because so we, we work in an agile way, um, we have four multidisciplinary teams. Um, but the problem was is that that research happened, and granted it had an impact on the product or the thing that that team was working on. But anything wider than that, it didn't really have an impact because um, it, that information was buried away and stored within certain team drives and what have you. So it meant that it, it, its impact was limited apart from within that particular project team. Um, so there was a bit of a discussion internally around how can we, you know, uh, make sure that we can use and scale the research that we've got. Um, it started off even conversations working with colleagues in our in our procurement side, the people that commission services and things like that. Um, and then um, we got some help with, with an agency that, we had, that came in um, to kind of help us and understand, okay, right, what is it that we wanted to achieve from this? Um, and then we started some prototypes. Um, so there was, we, we, did, we did some things in Airtable um, once we kind of worked out what we thought we wanted to, to add. Um, so we had this massive air table with you name it everything was in it um from user needs stories to you know uh, everything was categorized by user type and by the project 
certain each um, each story was listed individually within the and it just took forever to fill in <laughs> uh, basically um so and i couldn't put my team through that so um in, in the end what we then had to do is try to then scale that back and back and back till we got to a point where we've still got something that's useful but then doesn't take thousands of years in effect to fill in and actually maintain and what have you um and then we came up then with what we thought was the, the use research library and you know, the idea behind that as i said because of the fact that other authorities within local authorities within the UK don't have that user research capacity. Mm. The more that we thought that we could then share research together across local government would mean that more councils who are not lucky enough as me um, are at least able to start using potentially things that are around. So, you know, similar discussion guides, consent forms, and if we're doing research on a particular um, type of user. And that's useful for another council to help shape what they do. Again, they could save time, money, and effort, especially when that's all um, money, particularly it's very tight. Um, can actually you to use do some stuff that others have done in order to shape what they do. And that was always the ambition as well. So more than it's never just about us and Hackney. It was always to you know just try and solve some of those problems as well. But it was always to try and help the wider community really at the same time. Yeah. And so have you found that um, that research is kind of extensible across um, councils? Well, good question, because I must admit we're actually so that we're, we're actually having a project working with four other local authorities in a more intensive way. Um, so another London borough in Croydon, but also a couple of um, county councils. So um, slightly different services they offer um, with their Kent, Hertfordshire and Essex. Um, and basically the idea is that we all focus on a, on a similar service um, that we all provide. Um, oh, yeah. so, we're look, so we're looking at in particular um, adult social care and how people request adult social care and what the process is like for them, which is massive. Um, but, uh, and the idea is that we all do um, the same piece of research on the same service um, to identify uh, both with uh, members of staff who provide that service and with members of the public. Yep. understand a little bit about what their experience is and the pain points and things like that and come up with some experience maps and what have you um, the ultimate aim of actually being able to compare those pieces of research across each of the authorities and hopefully learn from one another so there might be something which one authority does better than another that we can then use um or, or vice versa and, and so and then and doing that in a way which where we use shared methodology shared consent forms shared discussion guides um, uh, yeah, the same experience map methods, you know, things like that, which again is quite new to some authorities. Um, so the fact that if we can do that and trial that out, the idea is that we have templates that could be used across the sector, which would be mm. really exciting. Um, so we're doing a lot of interviews for that now, and uh, it's heavy going stuff, and it's obviously quite a complicated area, mm. um, but it's really fascinating. Have you found it hard to like agree on what an experience map should be or, you know, things like that? Has it been hard? It has been. I mean, there's been certain things like, so even a, a consent form, that some, of, mm. some, of, some of the councils that we work with had um, quite robust consent forms. Some of them didn't have, um, uh, did have something, but it, whether it was robust or not. Um, some of the language that some of them were used, they were quite complicated. And obviously, and some of us, like ourselves and Hackney, have done research on, the language of consent forms and, uh, and whether we can use those. So try to pull all those together, come up with a standard and then actually 
get that standard agreed in each appropriate authority was quite difficult. Um, and, and there's things like that. So again, like in terms of the experience map, actually for, for a few councils, it's quite a new thing to do. So actually that was okay. Um, Cause they were learning something, they were doing it um, in, in the same way, but a couple of, couple of the councils are a bit more experienced and they've done it in other ways themselves before. Mm. Um, so that was a bit of a, we had to come up with a bit of agreement um, around, you know, we need something that's easy enough to do and uh, helps us compare um, but ultimately, yeah, um, not, yeah, not be not be too detailed, and we spend too long on it, unfortunately, because we have mm. the time. Mm. So, did you have to like have make some kind of a glossary for what what do we mean when we say this or or that? Um, we haven't done yet. I think at the moment we just we have we have weekly um, calls. Obviously, we're all dotted mm. around the UK. Um, actually, everyone came to see us yesterday. It was really lovely. Um, but um, yeah, we're all dotted about. So, and we, and we kind of. Um, we, we have obviously we have a Trello board with our kind of like all of our milestones. I mean, we kind of put our decisions in there. It's kind of like a mini decision log, really. Mm. Um, so, yeah, no glossary as such, but um, mm. as I say, it's been um, yeah, it, it's it, it's been more difficult. I mean, we thought it was going to be difficult anyway to do have these these shared tools and shared ways of doing things. Um, mm. But I probably think I personally underestimated um, how difficult it was going to be. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, but obviously it sounds to me as though you, you are feeling like it's worth that pain to, to get that sort of shared understanding. Oh, definitely. I mean, it, it's great because it's, it's been lovely as a bit of a skills transfer between some authorities, some characters as well. Yeah. So there's certain things that, um, that we haven't done before. There's certain things that other authorities have and the fact that we can start to build up a little bit of community within ourselves um, and we're already doing that with things around um, data protection and so it might be that obviously different authorities have different ways of um, of how they the internal process are about managing data um, if we can share information from one research group to another you know that means that hopefully that will save a bit of pain for people mm. so it, by, by doing that by building that little bit of community it's just helping us in the long run with all with a wide range of different things um yeah. not just the share tools that we get out of it and hopefully that's something which we can then kind of build on and then maybe work with um colleagues in central government to look at as well mm. i'm always obviously asking for uh, selfish reasons because in mm -hmm. the research repositories project there is a glossary and one of the yeah, things that we define is um an experience map <laughs> so uh -huh. Uh -huh. so uh, what i expect is um We'll probably release it and then a whole bunch of people will say you're wrong and i'll say great tell me how it would be so good if they did yeah. <laughs> mm. i think until you uh, you know it's about working in the open isn't it and um and not being scared of people saying well you're wrong um because actually it's just an opportunity isn't it this is it, and I, you know, that kind of brings back because some of the, from the stuff in the research library. You know, one of the initial things when we first launched the alpha, um, and then of course it's public, so people, you know, our researchers are able to submit something, and then it's open to the big wide world. Um, and there's is that bit of from from a professional point of view, you're putting yourself out there, um, your work in effect, you know, could be um, judged and critiqued and that's what we want um, if you said it means it's an opportunity for us to do things better but it still makes it scary um, yeah. and, 
and, and that and that was that that was that kind of feeling um, for people in the team, including myself. I would spend a bit of time putting things on, and I had to push the button, as it were. And I was thinking, oh no, what if people don't like this? Um, <laughs> or if I said something I shouldn't have done. And then what in the back of your head, even though that you know you haven't, um, and, and you've and you've gone through the right process to make sure the information mm. like there is correct. But uh, yeah, it is just putting yourself out there, and that can be scary. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the Research Ops community. Um, I can't remember when you joined. Uh, Gee, tell me about no, that. I don't <laughs> yeah, it, I think it was one of Kate's blogs. So uh, yeah. the what is research ops blog? Uh, yeah, what is research ops blog that Kate um, did? Kate Telsey did, and uh, I was having a brief, and that was I think when I. Uh, we've been getting we had met things. each other before that hadn't we i think we did. yeah mm. um because then i joined i joined the community um mm. and then i think kindly invited me it was like oh and then we started having a conversation about um yeah we did met, i met we met before i joined mm. the research jobs but i can't remember how i think or? it was through jesse maybe or oh it was, it was jesse. something to do with the library i imagine well, that's <laughs> right jesse emailed me separately uh, yes. and he spotted it um and uh, then mentioned it's worth having a chat with your good self and then it went from there mm. actually, yeah yeah or it might have been from the international uh vocabularies and linked data group i don't, I don't Anyway, I feel like I've known you for ages. So tell me about your experience in uh, the Research Ops community. How, how is it for you? Uh, have you reached like peak slack? Or? <laughs> I must admit, I, I, it's, it's such an exciting thing to even be slightly involved in. I mean, um, the fact that in particular the research repos group, because it was something which instead of going through from purely from a selfish point of view, doing that kind of stuff, um, with the research library and uh, we learned so much around what you shouldn't do um, and some of the stuff that did work as well and so it's been lovely to try and share as much as possible with some of that um, mm. there's always more that I can share and the more time I'd love to, to give to it um, I, I think that the it, one of the things that there's there's heck of a lot going on um, mm. and it, I think must have made feel like sometimes it's quite easy to be out of the loop and just keep, try and keep an eye on things that are going um, mm. But even things like the glossary and stuff like that, when it, when it first that kind of R three first started, um, and that was just um, that was fascinating how different people define um, the very similar thing that you do, um, and then you kind of accept it within your organisations. This is how you call this thing. Um, so it was quite interesting how people, different people define it in different ways, um, which mm. does does make you think about how you can help maybe categorise some of the things that you do uh, and some of the ways that some of the, the taxonomy of the, of the research library for us going forward. Mm, mm. had a lovely interview with someone um, this week, which was very reassuring <laughs> um, because we ended up actually talking about taxonomies and um, he had uh, an established taxonomy for his repo that, you know, how he was doing it. Um, and it, it pretty much matched ours that we've developed in the project. That was very exciting. So now I'm feeling like, like you, I've been feeling so scared to put it out into the world because I know it really is just a, it's just a spreadsheet at the moment <laughs> um, full of, you know, lots of, um, lots of terms and um, it's, you know, we're, we're sort of going for um, some, uh, just some lists of things, some taxonomies um, that are defined and, you know, we've 
done the work to see where things are already defined and we've you know found that user research isn't particularly well defined um so there's a whole bunch of stuff that does need defining as a community and it's pretty exciting to me that we could do that yeah. um okay. yeah i think i'll be even more excited if people actually used it <laughs> um that would be that would be great um but yeah so that was that was good but um yeah so what about um what about the so you've obviously got a research library in your organization do you are you looking at putting in um more research ops functions other than um a research library do you think well um, as i said uh, apart from some of the so naturally it's part of the project that we're working with the other councils and creating those shared tools and things like that. Um, we, 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 we don't have, we have no immediate plans of to have a dedicated role for that. Um, there are other colleagues within central government that are, it's just starting to become a thing now, um, where they have a dedicated person, which I, I must admit, I think this is something which I think should be shared across the whole team. Um, and uh, having, it, it, it's good to have the awareness and the kind of the, the, the the push of having a person having a role that's there um but having just one person to do it um scares me a little bit i think um and and actually i think for some of the roles that have um kind of come out within central government as well um, i'm not sure necessarily about the i think it's clear about the remit and 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 whether people are uh, remunerated in the way that they'd be expected to do so for that type of role um, and I, I think that's the thing is because it, it, it's quite a skilled it's a thing that you need to do which I mean obviously you, you build up that skill over a period of time um, but it's for example not just an administrator for the library um, it's not just someone that just looks look that just put, put some put some documents in a thing and leaves it you know it's not like that it's so much more um, and, and and that's my worry about uh, some of the um, for people that don't necessarily, who aren't as close to, to our world as we are, um, yeah. I think people looking in might see it as, as just, in effect, uh, uh, quite a narrow uh, a function, which isn't which definitely is not the case. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so what about the, the challenges? Do you think, um, are there any particular challenges that you can see um, emerging uh, around you not necessarily in your work but you know for people who are putting in um, ops uh, functions let's say um, what are some of the, yeah. the, challenges, the challenges that you see maybe about um, getting that buy-in or what else is there yeah I yeah I, that's that's one of the key things especially for so especially for our sector where there isn't let alone researchers that are research jobs. So, you know, there's there's gonna be um, having that kind of buy-in from colleagues with the organization, this is a thing. Um, and it's it's kind of I think that's that it's kind of something which you just assume that just happens um, and not necessarily having allocated time, people power, money, resource, whatever you want to call it, um, to kind of do some of this stuff. Mm. Um, I think interestingly as well i think looking at um so part of developing staff and developing people um within our our sector um and i think some of the, the roles and job roles that are advertised are quite um uh, there's not much progression necessarily within them um mm -hmm. and, and and not as 
I think you know so you, you're very quite um, specific roles, um, yeah. and especially within central the local government as well. If it's a new emerging kind of uh, new emerging area, um, there isn't really that kind of. It's hard to find a progression. I know it's something which actually our colleagues in central government in the UK are looking at as well. Mm -hmm. um, is kind of how do we invest in people that they progress their careers mm -hmm. um, and keep learning the skills and the knowledge that they need to do great work. Um, yeah, um, and I think that yeah, that's, a, that's another problem. It's mm, a really great point that you raised there. Um, yeah, I wonder what the career progression for ops is. Um, you know, obviously, I have a biased view that that you should go to towards ops leadership, and and that that's the thing all by itself, and um, as opposed to um, it sitting underneath the research director, I, I do kind of feel like it's hard. But yeah, so mm -hmm. your experience in in the UK is that it's sort of sitting under research because it's is that because it's in service of research? Do you think? Oh, sorry, but you cut out. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I just said, is um, do you think yeah. it's because it, do you think that ops sits underneath um research because it's in service of it? Yes, actually, yeah. I suppose, yeah. Uh, I think you're right. I think ultimately, yeah, the ops is shaped. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? So, um. What do you think of the opportunities and risks of, because, um, you know, side by side ops, you know, you're not going to have ops unless you've got scaled research, right? So what are those, um, what are those kinds of, um, if you just look at research, because you're obviously a researcher as well, what do you see as some of those um, risks and opportunities of scaling research and the optimization of research as well? Uh, I think in terms of in terms of the opportunity, especially for us, I mean, and, and again ac across other councils, if it means that there's things that you can that you've done, that you've learned, that you can then share, not just within your organisation, but with people across local government, that then you know we all offer similar services, um, and if there's things there that people can take away and reuse to save them time and effort and money in the future. Um, that's amazing. Um, yeah. The 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 risk attached to that are, 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 are basically that you know um, it's whether that research is interpreted in the same way as the researcher intended it to be, um, and and initially, and I suppose that that's that's kind of the you know um, how do you present research in a way which means that you can just pick it up uh, and then other and there's someone else from a completely different part of the country can use mm -hmm. um, from a different demographic set to. Um, you know, using different terminology, um, and, and that's kind of I think one of the risks is that you, there's things that you might put out which might not be used in a way, reused in a way for us, inquisition is public, used in a way that you anticipate, um, or um, the, the the research is is interpreted in a way which means that it means that actually, yeah, someone might go on a completely different train of thought um, and use and. Um, uh, and interpret the research in a different way to, yeah so i think that that, that that is a risk um as a risk for, for that for that i think also for us because our library is public um we've got a duty to make sure that we look after people's information um and we're very explicit about the 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 anonymized information that does go onto the research library when we um, work 
but with participants. But at the end of the day, there's always something again in the back of your mind that you want to make sure that you've that you've you've shared the, the things that you that you're allowed to share, um, and 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 do that in, in in the best way. So there's there's always a risk there that actually the information that you share, you need to make sure you've got that explicit permission to do so, um, and you don't want to yeah um, undermine the, the trust that participants have in you as an organisation. Mm. Mm. So, oh, I was on a train of thought there, and 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 forgot what I was th what I was thinking. What was I thinking about? Oh, that's right, the reuse. I was um, I've been thinking about that quite a bit, obviously, and and it fascinates me because, you know, I spend um, what is it, one fifth or one one third of my time doing academic research. Um, that's you know also part of my life is doing a PhD at the moment, and. Mm -hmm. It interests me that you know this because obviously I'm, um, you know, reaching. Um, I'm going and getting research that's been done before by academic researchers, um, and a lot of it's qualitative research, um, research reports, and um, and I have had that experience once, just one time uh, where I, I read a paper and uh, the woman who who I cited in my paper um, was someone that I sort of vaguely knew enough to send her an email and you know to thank you so much. I really loved that um, loved that that paper that you wrote and you know if you want to have a look this is a thing that I've written and she wrote back to me and said that I'd completely misunderstood everything she'd said and it was just terrible and I should take it all out <laughs> um which was, which was you know demoralizing but also um brings me to my point about um the thing that I find interesting in user research um is that we do have this sense that because we can speak to the researchers that we should always um, check that we've got that context right. Um, mm -hmm. And yet we don't have that problem in, in academia. People can go and, and write a paper and, and um, I guess it can be published and, yeah. and then they can be completely you know, demolished in public and, <laughs> and the, the original writer <laughs> can say, that's terrible and <laughs> you should never believe a word that that woman ever says. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's fine. It's all a learning process, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but it really does speak to that. I, yeah. wonder, I wonder how many academics out there, if they had the opportunity to write a review, would it would also say that wasn't what I was saying? <laughs> and so yeah, are we are we too person to are, are we too pressured? We might be, that? yeah. Mm. I think we might be. Yeah, I, I think it's, I must know what we we've not had that experience within uh, since using the library uh, where we are. And um in fact actually people have it's been quite lovely because um we have people from across the country. Uh, mm. Um, who and authorities that um, colleagues that I've never met before um, mm. that have heard about it and then said, "Oh, by the way, you, the questions that you asked around X were really useful, or we borrowed your discussion, your your consent form to help do Y, or um, and and, and, and there is there's been an outstanding question actually around kind of the what's the most valuable thing 
for people for, for, for external people to use mm. in the library is it more the methodology and how we got there or is it the result we found out um mm. and uh, and the insights the insights that we had um, mm. and internally for us it's kind of a bit of both but a lot about the the insights and what we found out for external colleagues i think because of that that, that kind of perception obviously different parts of the country different demographics different ways of doing things mm. it's more how we got to where we did which mm -hmm. they then can replicate which i think they find of more value but that's something which we're trying to find out um working with a lot of counselors in this project mm. um so yeah mm. interesting stuff interesting yeah so um what do you think are um are there any risks if you if you do so you know ops is designed to uh, it's something that you bring in when you're ready to really scale your research. It's not, you know, when you're past, I just need to get organised and it's when you're, okay, now we're ready to really ramp this thing up. Um, are there any risks, do you think, um, with, with actually embedding an ops function in a team? I think it's that thing. I think it's it's something which takes time um, and 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 takes it's, it's a bit of you know a bit of knowledge to do it. Um, I think the 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 problem is is again it might be one of those things that's just expected to happen. It just it just becomes a thing. Um, but actually, it's it's something that um, you know, without having that time and care to do it right with 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 the whole team. And I think personally, you know, that's something which um you know it, if you, you have to bring everyone on that journey with you um in order to kind of embed that kind of um that research ops mentality mm. um um yeah i think that's that's kind of the biggest the biggest areas mm. um yeah do you see pushback from researchers do you think that they want to hold on to all of that stuff um yeah as i said, I, I said well, when initially um, with the just to talk about the library in particular, mm. but you know initially with that with that kind of piece, it was that, that trying to keep hold of every all of your, of your research and your work and how you do things and it, you can protect it and it's uh, you know what's being used, how it's being used and what have you, um, and uh, and then actually being having to then try and um, let let. Go like a child, I suppose. That's a you know what. The more that we can do things and do them together, mm. um, in a way, so it's not just and even just doing that within within an organisation can feel quite uh, can feel quite scary um, for us for researchers. Um, but as time's going on, it just it's I think it's giving it a try and doing something. Uh, and, and I must admit, you know, nothing bad has happened by doing mm. this. In fact, actually, it's all been good. Um, we've learned a heck of a lot um, as yeah. us as individuals, but also, you know, as, as, as an organisation by doing it. Um, mm. And it's just giving it a try, I think, and having, it's a, it takes a bit of courage to do, mm. um, and we've far from got it right um, mm. yeah, where, where, where we are. But, you know, I suppose it's that thing if give it, get the buy, if you get the buy in, um, and you can be able to try and do something small, um, mm. and then, and then you say, it's, it's nothing's bad has gone and nothing bad has happened and keep doing that <laughs> incrementally i think actually mm. get to a point where hopefully it starts to become just any more accepted and thingy that you just do yeah yep so do you think that maybe uh you know obviously i'm sort of going down a line of questioning here because I'm, I'm mulling things over in my head a little bit lately 
do you think, um, you know, if you're only just starting to get sort of buy-in for user research, does it feel like the, the it's kind of pinching some budget from uh, from research maybe or pinching something for, that's already a little bit precarious? Like, um, I'll give you a bit of context. Uh, I had a conversation um, with one of the directors in, in on the board actually a while ago when we were talking about the prevalence of researchers in research ops and um and you know they were expressing that it was such an it's still an emergent field in some places and and they were like you know it's it's like a shoot emerging and and i said yeah but you know ops is like this tiny seed that's only just started to to wiggle its way out of the ground and if you you know we have to sort of nourish them both somehow we have to find ways to nourish them both and make you know give them both um, time for the little flowers to bud. Um, how do you do? You think there's? Have you noticed any particular way you think that works to um, to be able to nourish them both? And is there is there a, a world in which we can have both? Oh, great question. Um, I don't. You know, I I don't know. I think uh, we're very lucky where 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 i am that kind of encouraged to work initially a work in the open but b work in a way that is um that's sustainable that can help us develop ourselves that kind of make things better um now whether they're therefore you um whether organizations badge things up as research ops um i think uh, so I, I think that's the thing it's it's quite a difficult one because I think I said I think it's, it's one of those things that's kind of just expected that should happen, um, but then that you know, and the and the kind of effort that and, and input that you need to be able to do that um, uh, it takes a lot takes a lot of time. On the flip side, actually, by badging, I, think, I don't know whether calling it something else, which is a good thing to do, but for colleagues that don't that, again think that you say at the end of the day. We, we, we've just got a researcher or we're just doing research what, you know, and now we're introducing another level, another thing that we've got to do. Um, and I, I suppose it's that kind of, that's that starting point of if you're just emerging in terms of research and there's certain things that are in effect research jobs that you, that you do, that you do alongside. Um, whether you badge it up like that initially, I think actually, and, and uh, but then, it's trying to make it an explicit thing so that as time goes on then the kind of the research function itself is established, mm. then that research ops function then starts mm. to develop organically as well. Um, but it's, Does it's that a mean tough thing, especially when, especially with him, when the, sorry, you go. Sorry, go for it. I was just saying, does, no, you, that, mean, <laughs> does that mean that, um, you know, I, I was having a chat to a lady the other day who was putting in a research ops function before she put research in. And I thought that was fascinating. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, I've had chats with Adrian, um, uh, who's also in the community about that, because he's, you know, he's got a, a bit of a theory that that's actually probably a good way to go. Um, and uh yeah so she she contacted me and she was like you know, i want to put in an ops function um and you know when i probed her a little bit um yeah it turned out she hadn't actually put in a research function yet but she she knew she was going to scale and um you know the the organization had sort of grown exponentially and and so they were 
the head research, but it wasn't an, a research function. Um, so they could see that, you know, in probably in, in 12 months time, they're going to have maybe 150 researchers. And, you know, if you know you're going to have that in 12 months time, mm -hmm. then, then uh, get on the ground early and, and get started. And I thought that was, okay. um, yeah, it was a fascinating. Um, I, I can't wait to see what happens in 12 months <laughs> and, uh, and see how she, how she yeah. with yeah. that. Yeah, which is interesting because you don't have that existing um, mindset of um, the you know re researchers um, you know the, of that struggle to get buy-in for research and the struggle to get yeah. the the ops um, function added later on and all of that sort of stuff. Super interesting. So. Um, yeah, and, and I guess, um, you know, that speaks to one of the other problems in ops as well. And, you know, like with libraries in particular, you know, um, you know, I've been doing lots of interviews for the Research Repos project, and that's something that comes up time and time again, is, um, you know, this odd expectation that you will do a library and, and then it will be done. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and and so it doesn't need to be resourced, and um, you have very little understanding really that maintenance is like eighty percent of the job. So, um, you know, do you have any any thoughts about um, about what sorts of uh, what sorts of people you might need to run a library, for example, if you could go out tomorrow and get what you wanted? What would it look like? <laughs> Oh wow! Okay, yeah, great. Because <laughs> uh, so, yeah. at, at the moment, for for what we have, um, it's little old me, um, yeah. and I have other jobs and bits to do. Um, so, uh, and which which is which is difficult actually. Um, and 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 to make sure that a you you know this, the, the the things in the in the library are added at the right time, they're the right quality, um, they you know the, uh, and what have you. So that that that's quite tough. And I think. Especially, it gets even tougher when if we replicate that across all the local authorities in the UK, who potentially, you know, we so we, we want colleagues from across the sector to be able to add add stuff, as it were. Um, but by 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 the problem with that is is though is that having that then managed within their appropriate organisations or managed centrally across um, a, a, across a, a, across an area is going to be quite difficult. Um, and this is so. We, our, the, the library that we have is it's only an alpha um but we've had it since had it for about a year now um mm. and we've learned a heck of a lot by us using it and by also colleagues across other authorities using it both from a i'm adding research perspective and i'm looking at research um, um so the, 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 the challenge now is for is it, so it's always the thing that to be honest in if you're even though it's a bit of my role, it's always the thing that ends up um, kind of going on the back burner in some respects, um, looking at the evolution of what it could be. Um, we've learned a heck of a lot. We just need to go and do it. Um, and then getting in the kind of that, the kind of buy-in for future iterations and what have you as well. And that's the one thing I really like to see um, going forward um, and, and having that kind of, um, yeah, working out the best people in the organization that can then look after it so not just one person um you know best people can then kind of look after the library and what have you going forward mm -hmm. 
Wonderful. Um, well, thank you so much. It's, um, it's just been such a pleasure to chat with you as always. Um, I'll be sure to wear my badge next time. Uh, Richard's team have a lovely little way of getting people to use the library. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so he gives, gives you a badge for you if you use his research. <laughs> so, um, and I did have course to do so uh, sometime last year. So lovely that it's a public library and, uh, and that you provide that function um, for everyone. It's really great. Thank you so much, Richard. Really appreciate it. Look again soon. And that's the end of today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to hear more, please subscribe or join us in the Research Ops community. If there's someone you'd like us to talk to, please drop us a line at teamreops at gmail.com. Our next show is a completely different conversation with one of our community directors, Brad Orego. What Brad and I have in common is that we both have a passion outside of research ops. While mine is my PhD on gender equality, Brad's is dance. Together, we explore how looking through the lens of dance changes a research practice and how dance can help us advance in research. We hope you'll join us next time at the Research Ops podcast. We'll see you soon in the Slack.